You are about to listen to Defending Black Girlhood Podcast, and I'm your host, Lelada G. I'm a black mother. Look, I don't care what Mookie May May and Lakeisha oh, Mama does. I'm not Mookie May May and Lakeisha uh, Mama. Tripping. A preacher. Give me the key of D. And Mary had a little baby, and his name was Jesus. A life coach. Look, girl, if Chump don't want no help, Chump don't get no help. Oh, and a singer. And I, and I, and I, no, I ain't a singer. Most of all, I'm an advocate for black girls everywhere they are. And I'm telling you right now, I am unapologetic as hell about my fierce advocacy for black girls to be safe in their homes, schools, and communities. Join us for courageous conversations about topics that most impact our girls and be inspired to do your part in defending black girls in your part of the world. Some information may contain graphic, violent, or explicit language. Listener's discretion is advised. believe we are at the end of season two already where did the time go i am joined today with cassie marzette hey cassie what up what up (laughs) and carla williams hey carla hey and so we are going to do a wrap-up on season two and so you all know Cassie. She has been with us season one, season two. We do the thing. Carla is new. She is stepping into Alexandra's shoes as the producer for the show. And she's um, been on board since January. And she is bringing forth really, really great ideas. Carla, can you tell us a little bit about your background in the broadcast world? Yes, I started out with public radio, and then I moved to California, I went to graduate school, got a master's degree in journalism, then I came back here, and now I'm with y'all. Okay, now. Hey. Yes, and so I love the energy that you, Cassie, and I have. Alexandra, we miss you, baby. Um, We miss you, girl. Right? (laughs) But the circus must go on. That's not really the saying, is it? (laughs) The circus. (laughs) <laughs> the tigers, I don't know. <laughs> you got to keep it moving. <laughs> but we're hoping that in season three, Alexandra might make a cameo for us. So let's talk about season two. Um, I'll start off by just asking you all, what was one of your favorite episodes of season two? Oh, I'll say. <laughs> oh, I'll um, y'all. <laughs> uh, I think the episode with Sharon really stands out to me. Was that in this season? Yeah, yes, <laughs> Lord have mercy. Yeah, no, that I really, I really enjoyed the episode. Yeah, what did you feel like you took away from that? I think the, just the, <laughs> interestingly enough, I think the matter of fact vulnerability. It was a very straightforward. This is what happened, you know, conversation. I think um, 
there was an epiphany in there uh, at towards the end about because um, she questioned her purpose. She questioned, you know, still why, you know, did nothing work, you know, and and for her to to be for us to be, you know, on in the moment and for her to be like, oh, wait, that's well, you you helped her with that revelation. But um, just the I mean, just the vulnerability and the realness of it. And, you know, I've I've been in her shoes, too. And just to see, you know, someone come out from that is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. She is a trooper. She really is. And I just can remember, you know, she talked about several times trying to take her life. And I can remember at one point in the episode saying, Sherry, you're not good at suicide. You're good at living. You're good at surviving. You know, lean into that lead into that because there's there's a purpose god ain't letting you go mm-hmm. there's a purpose for your life and i really appreciate appreciate how much she shared but then her story was so interesting too i mean like she met the queen of england right <laughs> yeah it was it was so random <laughs> you know all of a sudden stop playing lacrosse or whatever squat whatever it was squash rugby rugby there you go squash <laughs> Right, right. You know, all of a sudden, started playing rugby and got on the national team and met the Queen of England. That's a very random life, but that's a life that needs to be lived. So, mm-hmm. Sharon, we're giving you a shout out. Thank you for thank you for surviving. Thank you for sharing your story. You know, we appreciate you. How about you, Carla? What's one of your favorite episodes or one that stood out to you? I like the last two. I think the season ended really, really strong. I like those two episodes around like learning learning to love after like going through abuse. I felt like for me, what I really liked about it was just this removal of shame around being in an abusive relationship or being with somebody that may have harmed you because abuse doesn't always have to be physical. And yeah. I think that like more people than not who've been in a relationship can relate to being to some form of abuse in their relationship. Or yes. even a projection of, of trauma onto your partner. And I felt like I really enjoyed those conversations. I really enjoyed the honesty, the the willingness of those women to say, you know, like, I still want to be loved, even though I went through that. Absolutely. And so in, in that conversation, I think it dawned on me about how important it is for people to continue to share their stories. Because there's so much shame that happens in our painful places and we we hide it and we keep it to ourselves. But in the end, it's really in telling the story is where we get our freedom. And then it's where we get our power too, by being able to overcome that thing that has overcome us. And I think people are surprised how much power they have when they are in that place where they can share their stories, you know? Um, so if you all have not listened to those two episodes, part one, part two, can I love again? And I don't know why my mind is blanket out on the two ladies that was on there. Paquita girl. Adonze. Yes. Paquita and Adonze. And then Monique joined us from in abuse, Wisconsin with the professional elements of talking about, you know, things you can do when you find yourself in an abusive relationship. But uh, Paquita and Adonze were just so vulnerable and so powerful. 
and and Cassie, like you were talking about sharing, there were these moments of of revelation. There were these moments of just kind of shift that happened in those conversations. And so just a reminder that, you know, shift happens when you're in your story, when you're owning your story, when you're telling your story. Shift happens not just for people who are listening, but it happens for you too. I think my favorite episode was how can white men help black women heal? You know, because it really made me just see the power of this podcast. You know, Dr. Jesse said he listened to Ground Zero episode. And from listening to that once, twice, that it changed the way that he worked with Black women patients. That's powerful. That's powerful because even right now in the season that we're in, you know, with COVID and should we take the shot? Shouldn't we take the shot? Can we trust the shot? You know, Carl and I were talking earlier. Like, I was like, I don't want to get 15 years down the road and find out that they gave me the, I want to say the gazebo. <laughs> Is that the way your grandmama was saying? I want them to give me the gazebo. <laughs> but you know how it go. We get 15, 20 years down the road. And there'll come some special report will show back in 2020 and 21, they were giving black people the placebo shot. Shoot. Mm-mm. So we know we have all these medical, um, traumatic medical histories with um, white doctors experimenting on black bodies. And so for him to be moved in that way and moved to not only have some shift in him, but also sharing it with other physicians was just extremely, extremely powerful. Um, I also enjoyed the conversations that Cassie and I had with doing that coaching about moving forward. I think that was really powerful. And at some point, want to look at doing some more of that. So if you're out there listening and you got an issue that you're dealing with and you might want to be coached on air, hit us up and we can talk about it. You can write it at Defending Black Girlhood Podcast at gmail.com and um, help us with that. So, um, you know, some of the other topics we talked about, well, let's stick with you for a minute, Cassie. What was that like kind of going through those three steps of of life coaching on air, just kind of putting your life out there? Um, I loved it. I think, uh, I think I talk about it in those sessions that I'm I'm not really, or I hadn't really, or I felt like I didn't have a voice when I was a kid growing up. I felt like I didn't really come into my own until I was around 24, 25. Um, and so being able to have a platform where I can kind of share my story and then, you know, there's power and testimony. I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, part of the essence of what Defending Black Girlhood is about. Uh, sharing experiences, Black girl stories, experiences, you know, traumas, lessons, blessings, all that. And I think having the platform to share that and to have the potential to relate to someone um, and, you know, just just even have that voice, that moment, I think it was just a blessing. I definitely enjoyed it. And I always enjoy talking to you. So, yeah, me too. That was fun. Those conversations were really a lot of fun. And I think powerful to to share with folks, you know. Um, let's see, what else did we talk about? 
we talked about, you know, can we defend Black girlhood in this America? And that wasn't too long after we saw the insurrection at the Capitol and just thinking, oh my God, these people crazy. These people is literally crazy. Um, we talked about Black girls in school, you know, and looking at does Madison love Black girls in the context of all of these Black women, a historic number of Black women running for office in Dane County. I think we had over a dozen women. What were your thoughts, ladies, about just the number of Black women running for political office this year? I loved it. I felt like for so long there's been this, like, thing like that things are just for white people. Like, oh, healthcare is for white people, therapy is for white people, coaching, whatever. So I felt like it was really nice to see not only a Black person do it, but a Black woman do it. I yes. felt like it was nice because it's like representation matters, for one. Yes, and for does. two, I feel like there's always been this like being placed on Black women, like Black women will fix it. Like even on Twitter, I don't know how, how well-versed you guys are in Twitter, but I know for me, there's always this tweet like, oh, Black women, we need you to save us or things like that. And it's like, I personally don't feel like that's that's an honor, but it's so amazing to see Black women getting out here and doing the work. And not only are they doing the work, but they're gonna they're rec- receiving the acknowledgement for the work and contributions that they're making to their community. Yes. yes. So a lot of times we do the work and then right. someone else needs to stamp their name on the work. Right. Because right now I'm looking at Joe Biden and the the roles that he is filling in his cabinet and the people being confirmed. I'm like, with them black women, like your cabinet needs to be filled with black women because we voted you up in there. Right. And so I'm not seeing them. I want to be overwhelmed by the smell of cocoa butter and hair grease. That's how black I want his cabinet to be filled with black women who voted him in. What, what are your thoughts? Same person saying, "Oh, um, you're not black if you're vote if you're voting for Trump." So I mean, where's the black people? At? Are, are you, right. Where's that at? Where where's that energy? How about mm-hmm. this? You're not black if you in Biden's cabinet. Did you see <laughs> that? Do you remember when um, Kamala and him had the clash? Like, we did it, Joe. Yes. So there's like this there's this meme going around. They're like, we did nothing, Joe. They're still going around right now. Lord, Lord, okay. I'm just seeing, saying, um, it need to be so many black women up in the White House that they got to open up a black hair care store. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Cassie, what are your thoughts about the record number of Black women running here in Dane County? Although you're not in Dane County anymore, but it was your county. It was my county, yeah. No, I, I absolutely love seeing that. And it was um, really remarkable to hear from some of those women, too. Um, and mm-hmm. their, you know, just their desire, their fight to, I mean, ultimately do what we as Black women have always done, you know, fix things. Yes. Um, and, and just, but just really, we, representation absolutely matters. I mean, it absolutely matters. Um, and you know, we're seeing that more and more. I mean, we've always seen it really, but we're seeing that more and more as we're seeing just a sea of white faces, white male faces, Mm -hmm. um, 
putting us in the same position we've always been in, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and just, um, it's inspiring. It's an honor to see so many black women just on the forefront as always, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but just doing the work and that that's, that's just awesome to see. So I was really proud of, um, seeing that for Dane County for sure. And the exciting thing is that for District 14, we have two Black women running. So there's definitely going to be a Black woman in District 14. We already, the incumbent is a Black woman, but we know that is going to happen. And then in District 8 on a campus, you know, I think a couple years ago, a white woman won District 8, and I think they said it was like the first time in 20 years that a woman had been in that role. District 8, which is down by campus, has never had a Black woman um, in in the Alder position, and this year, two Black women are in the final um, for April 6th voting, so we're going to have a Black woman on campus, so we already know that's what that is, and so very exciting, and most, if not all of the black women want well they that they didn't necessarily win their primary some did but they advanced to the final vote in april so you know i'm really excited about that i think the only woman who didn't was a woman who was running in fitchburg and she withdrew because i think she's moving so that is just powerful and fantastic that we're seeing that and so i'm really looking forward to seeing what that's going to be definitely love the episode love the shit out of yourself talking about self-love that was just some radical stuff i loved having the multi-generational conversation for talking about self-love because i think we need that we need older women talking with younger women we need younger women talking with older women so we know where we're all are coming from and be able to share wisdom and share what's going on right now so that we can just continue to have those conversations that shift and change us. We talked about a pre-Nepal, you know, um, you know, season one, we did Erica Hill, who, who killed Erica Hill. And a pre-Nepal, another young Black woman, 18, killed, in, lived in Fitchburg when she was killed. You know, it's just so odd to me that... Um, um, it's just so odd that you have, you know, two high profile murdered black girls. And, you know, Prina was only like 18. To me, that's still a girl um, that they both lived in Fitchburg. Um, just, just tragic, just tragic. Um, and so just looking at, at ways we can continue to tell the stories of black women, tell the stories of black girls, and one of the things that you had shared earlier, Cassie, about talking about your story and finding your voice is defending Black girlhood is about defending Black girls right now, but it's also about that retroactive defending of Black girlhoods, which means for some of us as women who weren't defended as girls, it's about doing that healing work. It's about doing that restorative work that allows your inner little girl to have been healed and to be blessed and to have been defended after the fact. And so um, we're getting ready for season three. We're about to take a break for a few weeks so we can get busy, busy, busy with creating a very dynamic season. And for season three, we are going to be 
doing a deep dive. Season one, we did a deep dive on who killed Erica Hill. Um, season two, we had a random conversations about various aspects of healing, women healing, trauma, drama, and your mama. Um, season three, we're going to kind of mix the two. We're going to go deep on about five or six different topics and um, go little deeper with looking at how these topics are impacting black girls, black women, and, and what we can do around that. Um, but one of the cool things that we're going to be doing is bringing the voice of black poets. So we have a call out for black women poets to share your words of poetry on some of the topics that we're going to be diving into. And so ladies, you're helping me to produce those various conversations. You want to give this like a, a one minute kind of overview on one of the topics that you're working on? For sure. <laughs> one of the topics that I'm focusing on is um, mothering unhealed. I took a personal interest in that just because uh, I feel like my mother is someone who mothered and is still mothering unhealed in some in some ways uh, I think it's easier to not have little kids around <laughs> while you're mm-hmm. you know you know while you're mothering but um so yeah I, I took a personal interest in it just because I really feel like it's such a powerful topic that we need to really address mm-hmm. I think that's part of defending black girlhood um if we can recognize in ourselves I'm not a mom um but I see motherhood around me. You know, I have mm-hmm. uh, two of my sisters are mothers. And um, I think in, I just have like a mothering nature. Um, but I think it's just super, super important that we figure out as grown women who may potentially be a mother or um, go into motherhood in some way, shape or form that we address ourselves that we mm-hmm. are, are that we become honest with um the reality of where we are so we can get better i don't i think it's crucial that we break these generational um traumas um it starts with us mm-hmm. and uh these traumas can end with us we can move yes. i think we can move forward better in defending black girls if we focus on on those things that that keep us stagnant in a sense um, so yeah, I, that's one of the topics. The other one is, um, black daughters, white mothers. And because I'm biracial, I think that I also took personal interest in that as well. Kind of the disconnect between, um, having a, a white mom in a world that, um, in a world that has black women still at the bottom of the totem pole, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and how that dynamic kind of changes us and, and these, these um, identity crisis that <laughs> I feel like I have as a mixed girl, um, having a white mom and, and I'm sure other mixed girls um, who identify as black have with their white mothers and things like that. Plus what it is to be a white mother who adopts black children. So we're, we're gonna address all those different types of issues um, and, and address those questions as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to us diving into both of those topics. How about you, Carla? It seems like we're talking about mothers a lot. Ooh. <laughs> I was mm. like, I'm like, I'm... <laughs> 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 I'm 
mine is like questions that you have for your mother. Like, I think we had, should I tell them about the topics or should I leave that off? Well, why don't you tell us about one of them? Okay. So a lot of the conversations that I had found were important to talk about with your mother had kind of revolved around curses, generational curses and generational trauma and those sort of things. I think even the conversations with Kathy, a lot of the conversations kind of stem from generational things that are passed down. Mm-hmm. And so that was something that it seemed to be really prominent in those conversations. So I'm really looking forward to finding out more about that because I don't think there'll ever be or has ever been a time where that is something that's healed. I think that's always mm-hmm. going to be an ongoing thing. Even though we're in 2021, we're still dealing with the the, the trauma of slavery. We're still dealing with this, right. the trauma of being removed from our homelands and even just learning to love each other and ourselves. So, yes. I mean, then to have a kid or a partner and try to love on them is even Yeah. So I'm also talking about Black girls that are incarcerated and their experiences. The, the We talk about school to prison pipeline, but I think there are so many different pipelines that can lead you down a path to prison, especially as a Black girl, because as we've seen consistently and continuously, just being Black and existing in the world, you're at risk. Yes. Like, there is no space for you to be safe and exist safely and carry on and enjoy your black Blackness. So yes. those are the conversations that I'm having and researching and trying to find ways to effectively communicate them and pull back those layers to offer like rich conversation and not just that surface level of like it's happening because we already know that it's happening but it's kind of like how do you get past that cycle and how do you and when you're in it how do you let go of that shame that you're in it right right so it's it's gonna be season three is gonna be dynamic i'm really looking forward to it because i love going deep on topics i really do because sometimes the first time you hear something, you don't get it. Sometimes you need to look at it a couple different ways. Sometimes you need to have a few different layers that you kind of go through in order to really wrap your mind around it. Um, with the one t- looking at incarcerated Black girls, I'm really looking forward to that because Black black women and thusly Black girls are left out of the conversation quite often about incarceration. And... Um, well, damn, every important conversation we need to be having Black girls are left out of it, even conversations about themselves. Hello. So really looking at that and um, becoming aware, you know, so we know how to deal with and what we can do to deal with and how we can advocate and how we can address some of these issues. And so season three is going to be powerful. And so, as I said, we're going to take off some time to go to produce season three but in the meanwhile we're going to be sharing with you some oldie but goodie um, episodes from my time with Wart Radio so you should be able to enjoy those and we're going to also be promoting some of the powerful episodes from season two we might dip back in season one and pull something up and and share it with you all as well and so we invite you to continue listening You know, if you're new to the podcast and you haven't listened to season one, season two, jump on in at the very beginning and then follow on up. Share this podcast. If if you feel like this podcast is impacting you as a woman, as a mother, as a professional, 
share it with other folks so they can listen into it as well. And then I also invite you to um, join me as a patron. You can go to um, lalada.org, L-I-L-A-D-A.org, and you can find the link to my Patreon, link to, um, I was going to say Amazon. No, there is no link to Amazon on my website, but there is a link to Instagram. There we go. There's a link to Instagram and you can find out more how you can get involved. You can subscribe to make sure that you get our newsletter and so all kind of goodies there. But we thank you for being a loyal supporter, listening to um, this podcast, and we are expecting to do even more dynamic conversations in season three. Thank you all. Thanks for joining me today, Carla and Cassandra. I'll see y'all in season three.